0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another fantastic episode after a longer-than-intended intermission of Hard in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. I am joined this time by our good friend Michael, and today, on September 11th, we will be talking about all sorts of news uh, to catch up on from our intermission here from, from the NBA as well as as, as a preview of of some things to come in the future for this NBA season, and as well as some sort of uh, random topics here I've conglomerated in my time away from the computer. Uh, But first, we would like to thank our sponsor, BP. So BP, of course, the worldwide oil company most notoriously Significant for the oil spill of a Few years back. Uh, they of course are one of the major uh, worldwide providers of jet fuel uh, And you may not have known that BP supplies over 50% of the Boeing Air Force's jet fuel uh, which is uh, significantly uh, important for today's date of course uh, considering that jet fuel Uh, does not in fact melt steel beams, as jet fuels typically have a boiling range of 150 to 270 degrees Celsius, um, which is not anywhere near the boiling temperature of steel beams. However, uh, don't let that deter you from any conspiracy theories you may or may not have of a certain event that has occurred almost 20 years ago. Uh, And with that, we'd like to thank BP for sponsoring today's episode of Heart in the Paint podcast. Uh, As always, we're thankful that jet fuel can, in fact, melt steel beams. And with that, uh, let's get into probably the most uh, significant news of the kind of last two days here. And that is the Sun's poster child, Devin Booker, has recently uh, been diagnosed with a. The need for hand surgery here uh, he'll be out for I think six to eight weeks is what what they've been prescribing and most importantly this injury uh, occurred from an Instagram story he had recently posted of him riding a bicycle with no handlebars and less than maybe two hours after that story was posted on his timeline the news came out he had a little fracture in his hand so, uh, what do you what do you think about this tale of the tape, Michael? I
1: think it's lucky that he got paid that max contract first <laughs> for the extension.
0: Isn't that something? He is guaranteed uh, so much money for quite potentially would it be the dumbest injury to occur to an NBA superstar.
1: So, like on a on a scale of uh, one to ten, with one being like Sean Livingston, and a ten being. LeBron in Game One of the NBA Finals, where he's really pissed at Curry. How pissed off do you think it four is right now about the fact that this guy just got paid like a crazy amount of money (laughs) for basically the same thing he does, and then got injured?
0: Holy, dude! (laughs) It must be beyond upset about this. However, I've got a little bit more about it later once we hit kind of the back end of this of the podcast here but like if I was another NBA player and I saw that I would just be like more upset I think than anyone else it's like man you are getting all this money you know the whole franchise is believing in you you got a fan base poem for you you're really the only bright spot in Phoenix right now maybe besides whatever potential Aiden's gonna bring and you go out and you do something like ridiculously stupid and on top of that you post it all across social media
1: I love it. I think it's genuinely hilarious. Didn't like Booker have like another, uh, kind of story like a few months back about like one of the dudes that he was like hanging out with got into like a fight with another dude in like a hotel like elevator, and like Booker just happened to kind of be there, like.
0: Yeah, I think I remember that he wasn't really like in the fight, but he was. No, like... he, was,
1: he was like a he was like a bystander, but he he was like he was there. And it's like, man, that could have turned really quickly on a Booker.
0: Yeah, it was definitely could have been collateral damage.
1: Yeah.
0: It kind of reminds like, me of, like, uh, you know, uh, what was it, like, two or three years ago when, like, Okafor got drafted and he got in all those fights. And he yeah, was, like, the, yeah. the tank we believe in for the Sixers. <laughs> it's, like, the same thing, except Booker's already shown he's good. It's
1: like, don't throw it away, man. It's like Poxico Burris, man yeah you I'll go out and win this Bowl, and then you fucking like shoot your leg i don't what? know this booger stuff is like it's kind of funny just because like he's still a pretty young dude right he's only like what 21 22 well it's
0: i think so it's extra 20 funny 20. because we don't have a whole lot of like other exciting news right now but
1: well it's it's just like it's it's you know he's not seriously injured right he's only gonna be out for like two months and it didn't sound like you know, like a like an ACL kind of tear, Like a you know, Gordon Hayward goes down, you know, first game of the season kind of thing, so
0: Yeah, luckily he'll be back for plenty of the sun this season of tanking. So I don't think there's too much harm lost here. It's just a little bit of a side story, and I think what most people had is a potential like first month of the NBA league pass team.
1: Yeah, but they were gonna they were gonna be rough anyway with Ayton and Mikhail Bridges and a new coach. You know Trevor Reza folding it in the mix like it was gonna take a while for them to get going
0: anyway exactly uh and I also uh, since the last time we've spoken to our wonderful heart in the paint viewer base uh, of course, one of our fan favorites here on on me and Michael's end of watching podcasts or listening to podcasts is the ringer podcast network, uh most notably run by. Grantland founder Bill Simmons um he has recently i guess made the executive choice over there to start a little Twitch gaming channel with uh, him and maybe his son and uh Jason concepcion and it, I think it's every Friday they play like uh Fortnite or some other really topical game of of the Yeah, moment. they have like
1: Overwatch and they have like a Spider-Man like, I don't think it was Bill. It was uh, one of the other dudes, but he was playing, like, uh, maybe it was Chris Ryan. It was, like, Spider-Man. I was like, wow, they're really invested in this.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting, like, sort of move to me in terms of, uh, like, viewer base, right? Because yeah. sort of watching people play Fortnite or watching people play Overwatch or whatever is kind of like a, like, 22 and younger audience. And I feel like the like, sort of Ringer podcast audience is little bit older than that because you know they talk a lot about like gambling and
1: yeah i mean most of them are like kind of that elder millennial you know kind of yeah
0: like 22 to 35 you know yeah and then obviously you got
1: bill simmons who's like what mid 40s kind of kind of pulling all the reins but it's kind of cool that they're expanding this platform and you know they've got the resources right like you know two years ago or two and a half years ago when they launched it was like only the nba and now they've got like nfl go and politics and technology and food right house of carbs and you know they just got all these like kind of hands and everything now and they're doing everything pretty well which is really surprising
0: yeah i think i think a lot of it comes down to sort of just the physical aspect of it it's like hey we've got this great studio space now it's not hard to switch it to a gaming space you just hook up a console and start streaming it yeah, i mean they already have great internet over there on top of it it's like all right we've got you know four mics and a soundproof booth that can everybody can talk to each other what do people like talking about around the office you know we got a movie guy i got a food guy politics you know you name it it's just like it's easy once you have it all set up in my opinion
1: yeah so i mean if anybody at the ringer is looking to hire two more people
0: they love to cross-pollinate over there what can i say
1: they do. If they were looking for two people with an engineering background in electrical and
0: aerospace. Hey, let's make, let's make it fly, boys. Speaking of cross-pollinating, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves have made a couple of interesting hiring moves here in the past couple of days. <laughs> uh, most notably, uh, Luol Deng and Joakim Noah are on their way over to the Timberwolves to reunite with former teammates uh, Jimmy Butler and Derek Rose. And uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau, of course. And Taj Gibson. And Taj Gibson, and uh, I think one or two other guys, too. So little did we know that the 2019 <laughs> Timberwolves will be the 2014 Chicago Bulls. All yeah, we need is this... Kirk Heinrich to come out of retirement.
1: This has a lot of vibes of, like, Batman 5 Superman, where it's like this is a this is an interesting idea if it's like two thousand three this doesn't really make sense in like you know two thousand eighteen have Batman fight Superman after all those like Batman movies it's like if you had you know if you did it fifteen years ago before like the Nolan movies, then it's like okay, this makes sense It's like you know if you're looking at this Timberwolf scene, it's like all right, yeah if this is like two thousand eight two thousand nine and you're looking to kind of grind down the game and you know, focus on the mid-range a lot and kind of bang it down low. 2018, it's not working. I mean, is out of, out of all those guys, is Derrick Rose actually the cheapest player?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's very close. From,
1: I think he might be on the 2.4, like that minimum.
0: I think Dang's on for like five.
1: Yeah. Well, how weird is it that they have Luol Dang and Gorji Dang now?
0: They have another guy with Dang in his name too, middle name Dang.
1: <laughs> then they got Wiggins, who's basically a Luol Dang, you know, like a uh, successor, really.
0: I think he meant Tony Snell's successor. Oh, uh, my bad. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's crazy to me. It's like, like I'm gonna watch this because it's like I loved that 2012 Bulls team. Like, even though it was like Derrick Rose went down, it's like they gave Miami a decent shot, and like. You know, there's the Nate Robinson heroics and the Kirk Heinrich heroics. It was like, what, like, what can we scrounge up out of our remaining 10, 10 cast mates?
1: Yeah, but like, uh, so, so Minnesota made the 8th seed on that play-in against uh, Denver. Do we see Min- this Minnesota team being a playoff team again? I have severe doubts.
0: They're going to be in that 8th seed plan, I think, again.
1: You think so? I think they're going to tumble down. I think they're going to be in that kind of 12 to uh, to 13 kind of range. I think I think you're going to see this team implode. I think you've got too many uh kind of just too much weirdness going on. You got you got Tibbs and these former Bulls players and then you got Wiggins who they've haven't been able to figure out since he's been there. And then you got Jimmy Butler and he might leave after this year, and then he got Cat, and it's like.
0: Yeah, importantly, it's, you know, you mentioned this chemistry problems that have been going on, we've kind of covered in the past, but, you know, Towns and Butler haven't re-upped yet. And both of those guys can just walk in this next summer. So you've kind of loaded in all of these kind of expiring talent pieces, and maybe you're not paying a whole lot for them. But yeah. it still just goes to show it's like you could lose six players next season. Yeah, the problem is
1: like after this season the cap goes up by about 7 million across the board and based on what some other teams are doing like like the Nets and uh, the Lakers and stuff you're going to have about 10 teams about a third of the league with like pretty valuable cap space uh, that they could, you know, make an offer on you know, maybe not Cat or Jimmy but they might take Wiggins, you know, they might try and restructure that contract a little bit. And it's like, this team could be slowly picked apart. Uh, how you, is is Tibbs a coach at the end of the year if they don't make the playoffs?
0: I don't think so. And you got to remember, he's also doing, uh, what is that, front office duties as well. So Oh, that's that
1: never works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he's kind of a... He's gotten his old cash together, but more importantly, he can set up a lot more package deals for things next summer. Whether it's packages for picks, or packages for cap space, or uh, however they resolve Towns and Butler and stuff. I also think that it has shades of Clippers Doc Rivers when he was trying to reunite that you know Celtics team that had won. From a couple years back where he eventually got Glenn Davis and Paul Pierce and uh one or two of those other guys. It was like you know, give props to the guy for loving his guys that have been with him through this the, the good and the bad times, but like you gotta know when to let go, you know.
1: This is a bad time referring to uh the Ray Allen, the Ray Allen schism on that team.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
1: years he's in the hall of fame and i don't i don't know i don't think any of them showed up right
0: i don't think any of them did
1: okay the weirdest thing is rondo right rondo is the the one that has kind of the biggest beef with uh with ray allen like i I think ray allen and paul pierce are pretty chill and I, i don't think kevin garnett you know kevin garnett seems like one of those guys where it's like you diss me once and it's like you know, you're gone, like, forever. Whereas, like, Rondo's kind of most vocal about it. And it's kind of weird, because Rondo's kind of bounced around a lot lately. And now he's on the Lakers with LeBron. It's like, come on, you did the same thing. You're joining a LeBron team.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It wasn't so much that... It's not like the past three years he's been competing with LeBron for Eastern Conference Finals, you know? he's. He... I mean, yeah,
1: but, I mean, LeBron is stole LeBron, right? It's like, he I mean... is kind of the... like. You know, the enemy wasn't really the Miami Heat. The enemy was LeBron, LeBron's team, right?
0: But it was worse that they had gone neck-to-neck so many times just before that trade. You know, it's like it's like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, you know?
1: Yeah, but Rondo is a Celtic, and now he's a Laker.
0: Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: That drives pretty
0: deep. Yikes. Uh, speaking of Lakers coming back uh, from uh, from other places, uh rumor going around the fantastic R&B subreddit is uh, Andrew Bynum may be making his comeback at age 30. Of course, Andrew Bynum, the Laker champion, uh, soon-to-be Sixer that had repeatedly injured himself by punching fire extinguishers, and thus kind of nixed himself out of the league with a bad attitude. Uh, he's only 30 years old, comes to find out. I thought he was a lot older than that. He could very well make a comeback. Now, uh, personally, I think this is just a bunch of rubbish, but uh, it would totally be a great storyline to the Lakers season. It's like, why not? You know, Why not come back when the team's finally good? You know.
1: I think it'd be better if he didn't go to the Lakers and instead he went to the Wizards, like him and Dwight.
0: Let's do it. Let's get him, Dwight, fun. John Wall, Beal, Morris, uh, Bray, Josh Smith, <laughs> all in one team. Minds as well get arenas out of retirement. Let's let's just go. Let's see who dies first. You're gonna need to put it, uh, metal detectors in all those locker rooms. Uh, Wizard staff, just put that up there. Uh, next up, as well as potential players, kind of returning back to LeBron teams. Uh, in a desperation move by Rodney Hood, he has re-signed with the Cavaliers for, I think it was like three million or something. Just a guy that needs a place to be. Didn't get a lot of playing time last year. I think he'll have better numbers this year, considering how the offense. Uh, he'll get you know more touches and this that and the other. So I think good move for him. Let's just see if he can stay healthy with you know nagging leg injuries and this that. So.
1: Yeah, Ronnie has kind of had like a, a pretty frustrating career to, at least from the, you know, casual fan kind of point of view, right? It's like when he does play, you kind of see these stretches where it's like, yeah, that's a guy who came from Duke and like you know, can can be the best player on a team. And then it's like other times it's like he looks lost on the court or it's like if he doesn't have the ball like in hand, he doesn't really know what to do. Like he doesn't know how to play off ball. And, you know, there's just kind of these guys like him and Jabari, where it's like they've had injury problems. And it's like, you know, just hasn't really turned over yet for
0: him. Speaking of turnover, uh, Kawhi Leonard has recently purchased a home in Toronto, which is uh, significant in the fact that he had, uh, everybody had assumed that he would be renting a house in Toronto for the upcoming season that he might bounce as soon as he can. Uh, good news for Toronto fans. Also that him and Danny Green uh, have been practicing a lot together and have been quoted as been itching to play.
1: I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't read too much into him actually buying a house. I mean, he's, he's like loaded with money. And if anything, it's probably one of more of those like investment kind of things or, you know, Drake is going to shoot a music video there and, and they're going to flip the house and all kinds of other stuff. But I think Danny Green's getting never kind of overlooked in this whole uh, Kawhi deal. I mean, he's going to be a pretty good fit, I think, on Toronto.
0: Absolutely. I'm I'm actually more convinced that that's like the secret sauce to the deal was Danny Green. Like Toronto never has had like a run around screens and take a jump shot type player.
1: Yeah, I mean he's basically like a poor man's JJ Reddick,
0: right? Yeah, you could say like Reddick or like Covington from, from the Sixers, maybe. Yeah. you know, a player that's nice to have, but doesn't it's not like he's the you know, the engine. He's more like the tires, yeah. You know. What
1: do you think about Danny Green matching up with Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum in like
0: a playoff game? I think that's a better than you know, maybe that team has like got surprisingly good defense. Like, yeah. like sneaky good length on all I positions. They've got really good
1: balance. It's kind, of, it's kind of annoying to think that the Raptors are kind of heading back to this kind of we're going to be good, but we're not going to be good enough kind of stage.
0: It's like good enough in a different way though. It's like the last couple of years they've been offensively focused and now it's like they just flipped that. Now it's like, okay, we're defensively focused and a new coach, of course, up there. Interesting to see how he'll sort of make everybody gel and then get this offense flowing to a championship level. But I don't want to say they couldn't make it like they're very outside shot, but it's not like ridiculously outside shot.
1: Uh, I have them locked in as the number two uh, team in the East, and it's like Kyrie gets injured a lot. You know, I mean, like Toronto. I mean, I could see him the I could see him making the finals. Um, I don't know if Kawhi's on that team though.
0: Yeah, it's a, a great point, but at the same time, it's like, you no. Know... Lowry and DeRozan have historically been awful in the playoffs, and now you've got two players that are pretty much guaranteed playoff production.
1: Oh yeah, most definitely.
0: Speaking of uh, guaranteed production, uh, this is a interesting week for me, uh, considering that the most recent NBA 2K game came out last Friday. Um, of course, I've been playing that as much as I can these past few days. Uh, by the time that you're listening to this, the regular release will be out. Um, most notably, I had started a regular season simulation of the 2019 season. Of course, this would be before the dang trade, uh, but who who the fuck cares about that? So, uh, I, I I focus more on the West here because... I wanted to see where a couple teams would end up and I'm about halfway through the regular season right now and 2K has the Rockets at first seed with Golden State like two games behind Then there's like a five to six game jump and it's like Denver and OKC at three and four. Whoa. <gasps> and then you're I kind of I forgot the rest of it but then Memphis was at the eighth seed which I was like, oh, that's, that's very interesting. um, And lo and behold, the IT4 on Denver is a surprisingly good 2K trade deal. It's like, uh, that's what's putting them over the edge significantly. Wow. Now, I don't want to put too much investment into what 2K thinks is a good team and what works or not, because there's a lot of fucking retarded logic in that game. However... And they they have Michael Porter Jr. playing too, by the way, which we know isn't going to happen. But they have this weird, like, uh, three-guard, two-forward lineup with, like, IT4, Murray Harris, and then um, I forget who the other forward is, and then Jokic. And it's, like, really interesting to think about because it's a lot of, like, guys that can pass really well. It's, like, almost like a Euro team. I don't know. It's... I was I I like sat down and actually played one of the games against Denver. Mm. I was like, this is a, this is an interesting lineup. I didn't think was going to happen.
1: So it's probably like what Will Barton up in the front court.
0: No, it's um that's pretty
1: crazy. Like I, how is you, like where is Utah in all of this? I would kind of put Utah ahead of uh, Denver if we're going like kind of outside shot small team young backcourt
0: I think they were like 5 or 6 I don't I don't have the I didn't take a screenshot of the whole thing mm-hmm. going off memory cuz I was I was piloting Memphis for a game or two cuz I was like all right you know we got Conley back we got Gasol back there's uh a lot of middlemen there and then I had put my player on that team that's a uh, fucking uh 65 uh shot creating post scorer so basically the closest thing I could get to like 2008 Kobe as a white dude. <laughs>
1: um
0: so I was like, all right, what team needs like a, a go like a go-to wing score? I was like, Memphis probably does. Because it's like who's their wings on that team?
1: You know who would have been good on Memphis? Jabari. I think Jabari at the kind of four, Gasol at the five.
0: So the way Memphis in that game is playing is they're putting Jaron Jackson at four, Oh, that's right, they got triple J. Which is really interesting because both their big men can shoot threes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that Memphis is trying to kind of modernize their game.
0: Like everybody on that team can shoot threes and drive. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think they I think they're gonna have a lot better every year. I think they're gonna they're gonna bump back up into the playoff
0: picture. Um But, I mean, the Western Conference is so crowded. Speaking of more Western Conference, uh, 2K had the Lakers at uh, 27 and 27 in my simulation. So just barely 500. Uh, So so definitely underperforming according to most people's metrics.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think the Lakers are at 6 seed. And I'll give them 50 to
0: 53 wins. You'd almost be on track there I mean 27 27's a little, been over 50% of the way through but But then uh, two other things I wanted to mention about the game uh, one is I'm having a lot of fun with it right now I was playing it just before we started recording this actually um, Interesting aspect of the game now is They finally made sort of uh, backdoor cuts and brush screens uh, work which has been a historic problem in the game uh, because you could kind of as you're chasing people around screens it used to be very easy to dodge screens and uh, sort of bump the other player as they are trying to just deadline sprint through things and now it's a lot harder to get that lock-in bump animation so it it makes a lot of plays work that were just like very defective uh, in the past couple of years additionally the sort of single player has been it's kind of the same single players the past couple of years where you make a player it's sort of this dual archetype system which is why I was telling you like shot creating post score so so those are uh, choices like you can be like a Pass first sharpshooter, or like a, uh, you know, uh, uh glass cleaning stretch four, or you, you can kind of hybridize like kind of two superlatives and mm-hmm. make this player. And this is uh, in two facets is the best year for for that aspect of the game. Uh, most notably is balancing aspect of the game now has really improve that archetype selection so when you pick shot creator it really feels like you can create shots as opposed to the other classes that have a hard time creating shots themselves whereas in previous years it was like all right everybody could play defense at a decent level even if you pick the defender style of of player yeah or like everybody could dunk pretty well even though picking the dunker type of player didn't feel that much better. So this year, they very much, like, niched the roles in terms of gameplay better. So when you actually pick, you know, a sharpshooter, you can definitely sharpshoot better than everyone else. When you actually pick a defender, you actually defend way better than everybody else. And the list goes on and on for those kinds of things.
1: Do you think, like, a lot of this is, like, a result of the fact that, like, uh the NBA is like double down on kind of the 2K league, like esports. I
0: like think Go. I think honestly a little bit of is going into that because I think I've criticized it pretty openly before, but that is the most boring piece of shit competitive scene I've ever seen in an esport. It's everybody does the exact same thing, like literally no joke, and it is mm-hmm. the most unfun thing to watch if it had no production value. Um and I think forcing specialization to mean more. Maybe it feels bad because your player feels deficient in things like this is my first year not making a defensive player and I can't fucking play defense to save my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't matter because if you play in the east, you can still drag that team to the finals, right?
0: Well that's why I picked Memphis as my team to go to. It's like, all right, I'm just gonna be the go-to scorer on Memphis wing score. And it's great because now it's like I can actually shoot threes pretty well because I'm a shot maker. yeah. And it's like I can post like I can post fate on people all fucking day. It's amazing. Um and sort of in tandem with this is the actual storyline of your first ten games or so is actually like really well made this year. Like uh like the Madden games always get pretty good praise for their long shot story mode. Yeah. Which is like ten games of a very narrative driven experience. The two K games at least the past six or seven years have had complete dog shit story modes where it's like very canned responses or like if you don't make this kind of player, it makes absolutely no sense or uh like way too much narrative that just feels unrealistic or like filled with sponsorship ads and product placement. Mm -hmm. But this year, if like the dialogue feels very believable uh your dialogue choices are not just like always fucking retardedly bad uh the there isn't like your player isn't like uh a beacon of good or a beacon of bad like everybody has their gray area of like motivation and desire uh, it feels really good on that aspect as well as just like the general progression aspect it feels a lot better which was a huge criticism last year too
1: they should have like in game, like Embiid style tweets happen, just kind of periodically.
0: Yeah, that would that would be definitely something they yeah, should add kind next of like year. Add
1: to this kind of like
0: fan experience, you know. Yeah, yeah, and part part of that I think, is they've actually revamped their interviews for your my player now. So it's like, you get the David Aldridge like fucking sideline interviews at halftime and yeah. end game and post game and they're actually like good choices now whereas in the past they were like either total dick response or just like total dick suck response (laughs) that's the best
1: way I can put it anybody you're thinking of in particular
0: absolutely not (laughs)
1: Well, I think uh most uh, like NBA players are a lot more like polished now when it comes to talking to the media because they're so accustomed to like having like a social media presence and like being somewhat self-aware. I think they've you know they understand that they have like a platform of like a brand and so they know that when they give these answers they should probably like you know promote their own sort of brand out there at the same time.
0: So it's interesting to look at that cuz I personally hate the like PR manufactured response. Like I love oh, yeah, to see yeah. personality more.
1: Yeah, I want to see more like Barkley, like that. You know that like kind of early nineties. You know, I'll just say whatever the hell comes like into my mind. But It's like thing. you
0: only get that from like a like ten percent of the players that just literally are at the top of the game that don't give a fuck anymore. Like Embiid, LeBron, Westbrook.
1: I mean, you can get it when they're like super pissed, right? Like when uh, DeRozan after game three against the Cavs, when he was like just super pissed and he just kind of went off and was like, man, like I'll just give somebody a thousand dollars if they can just stop LeBron or something, you know? Like those kind of nice little like memeable tidbits.
0: But more often than not, they're all trying to build their brand, build their PR rep, go up in the league. It's like. It's like this is the pathway you follow if you want, you know, personal value added, and then it's like everything else is socially unacceptable or some other bullshit. Yeah,
1: but these guys are also all know each other from like AAU circuits and stuff. It's like
0: we like, can talk about these other guys. Things. Don't
1: you know? Yeah, it's like there's no real like animosity, right? Like that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna get it is like when there's like real animosity between like. Two guys, and I mean, I mean, really, I guess you have between like kind of Steph and LeBron. Like, you can kind of tell there's like. I mean, after four finals, guys, you better like,
0: have fucking animosity.
1: Yeah, but then it's like you know when like KD and like LeBron, it's like, I mean,
0: you can tell that like LeBron's kind of this like master manipulator. <laughs> Here, here's here's my my side to that coin though is that would you rather have like a real rivalry between, like, you know, Paul George and, like, Utah that's, like, actually real in terms of, like, okay, Paul George doesn't like Utah and fucking Utah fan base hates Paul George. Would would rather have, you know, Max Keller and make up some fucking narrative on first take and that's what we run with for our storyline. It's like, no, I'd rather have the authentic, you know, rivalry or the authentic animosity rather than what narrative we have to push to keep the views going especially in like the shitty playoff games where it's like all right this team's clearly going to win 4-1 like let's make a narrative guys
1: yeah we can have a bit of both right you can have this kind of like uh like lonzo ball cal kuzma on like you know kind of one end right where it's like they're clearly like kidding around but it's like they have this like kind of fake sort of online kind of rivalry and then you can have like the genuine like Hassan Whiteside, Joel Embiid, kind of rivalry, right? So you can you can have both, I think. And you know, the more
0: NBA is better NBA. Now speaking of more NBA, I was listening to a, I think uh, the Clay Travis show which is the guy famous for saying first amendment and boobs on ESPN a couple months ago. <laughs> but uh he was given the question like uh if you were going to invest in a sport right now or like or like what's the biggest problem with the popular sports it was kind of like a double-ended question. And his suggestion was is the he would not invest in the NBA. He thinks it's peaked. He thinks there's a huge um of TV rights bubble with the NBA that's kind of gonna pop soon and then his second part of that was um, he thinks that there's too much in sort of a technological era where we can have Netflix you know twitch streams hundred other sports any channel we want there's an entertainment competition between 27 of the NBA teams and everything else. Whereas when it's those top three or four teams that can actually win a finals, that's when the NBA actually is worth its while. What are your thoughts on those, those two takes?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know one of the big criticisms uh, kind of between the NBA and the NFL is that the NBA, you know, there's really only like five teams any season that can actually win the championship. Whereas like the NFL has, randomness kind of you know built into its its foundations right like last year the eagles won the super bowl with like a backup quarterback and like jacksonville was a game away from the super bowl and you know like <clears throat> the year before that atlanta was in at the super bowl and then carolina and then seattle like you have this kind of element of randomness outside of the patriots that you don't really have in basketball but when you look at kind of a game similar to basketball in terms of its business it'd be you know, like in Europe. It'd be in the EPL and La Liga where you have only really a handful of teams that are ever truly going to contend for the title. But they're all making crazy amounts of money because it's still built around players and the ideas of even if it's a regular game, it can be interesting because the, uh you know, quote-unquote, like, worst team beats them, right? Like, if... In let's say it's like November, right? When NBA is kind of you know hasn't really kind of gained steam, or you know kind of that initial first two weeks of the NBA is back, and then it kind of goes back down. And then let's say Golden State is playing the Kings, and the Kings beat Golden State. Like that's that's gonna be like a a headline amongst you know just kind of casual NBA fans that like Golden State got their ass kicked.
0: I think. I think the, the sort of, and I think you touched on this a little bit. I stepped away from a minute to, get to drink in the middle of that. But, um, you know, when you're looking at other sports leagues, like anybody that makes the playoffs has a non-zero chance of winning the title. Whereas in the NBA, it feels like eighth seed is pretty much a guaranteed not going to win. The same yeah. with the seventh and maybe even the sixth yeah and i think that's the problem right it's like either either your playoff format's wrong or you have you know seven seven game series is wrong or
1: yeah but i mean it's really hard to create that kind of parody right like the nba is the sport is built on the idea of you know a strong player right like if you have lebron you can get to the finals it doesn't matter like Who else is on that team, right? I mean, we just saw that with the Cavs. But in the NFL, you have so many more players in kind of very specific positions with like, you know, strategy and the fact that you're taking these kind of breaks every few seconds to like come up with different plays. Whereas the NBA is a little bit more free flow. So you kind of have to react like a little quicker. Whereas in the NFL, it's a little bit more like, you know, you can call plays one at a time and like look at a defense and then exploit it and, you know, if you're missing your receiver for, like, one week, it doesn't, like, negatively affect you, as well as the fact that there's just less games. So it's like every game seems more important in the NFL because there's less games. Whereas the NBA, it's, like, 82, so it doesn't seem as bit like uh, as bad if you miss a game in the... Um... But it's... It's also, I mean, the NBL is also much better than the NFL when it comes to expanding its kind of base, right? We've got the 2K League, the G League, the WNBA. You, you have all these guys on the social media that you don't really have in the NFL. You know, like CJ McCollum has a podcast, like Danny Green has a podcast, you know, JJ Redick is on the ringer. So you got these guys kind of expanding in and out, and then... You have the most popular, like, American athlete in LeBron kind of coordinating everything, you know. Like, they didn't run into this, like, anthem problem that the NFL did. And so I think the NBA, you know, they kind of were the first ones to kind of jump into the gambling, sports gambling, kind of world a little bit faster than the NFL. They've kind of understood that they're not going to be the premier sport, but they can definitely be, like, one of the more profitable ones.
0: I really like that aspect of the NBA that it's like a players league whereas it's like we're we don't really concern ourselves with the organizations at all and what they're doing besides like trades and whatnot whereas like the NFL it's like the organizations are much more of a like public force I guess
1: yeah it's like uh, you know when the NBA had like Donald Sterling right and he says all of his racist shit it's like the backlash was like so huge that like we legitimately got to flip the owner on that. Whereas like you look at the the NFL and it's like all these like owners are just like bashing Kaepernick. Right. And it's like, you don't really see that same kind of thing except for maybe in Carolina, but generally it's like the owners have a lot more control in the NFL.
0: Yeah. And that's something I like more about the NBA. You know, maybe it's a more progressive um, to use a lack for a better word, like well, I think it's industry. Black, it's a
1: blacker league and that probably has a lot to do with it.
0: Not on the ownership side, though.
1: Oh, no, definitely not on the ownership side, but player side.
0: Um, On top of that, you know, just off the nature of having less players means that individual players mean more. Therefore, individual stardom is bigger. And then you've got, you know, the whole accessory culture i guess where it's like football you can't sell cleats to the average person like yeah same with soccer or baseball it's like you know you can wear basketball shoes out in public doesn't fucking matter yeah
1: and it's like uh all these nba guys are like so tied in with all these music guys right like like drake is an ambassador for toronto like that's kind of mind-boggling that like a celebrity is uh so intertwined with, like, a
0: team. Yeah, but then think about, like, the American sports. Like, baseball. Like, Dallas Cowboys. Like, New York Yankees. Like, I don't think Lakers are in that same conversation.
1: Uh, I mean, the Lakers are by far, like, the premier team of the NBA. I mean, they they are, like,
0: basketball royalty. But, but, but it, it does NBA sound, is like, inherently immigrants. American. You know what I'm saying?
1: I mean, yeah, but... Like a lot of it has to do with the fact that like baseball has been around for like what a hundred years and like the NFL's been around for like a relatively long time. Like the NBA is kind of fairly new in the fact that people didn't really care until the sixties and it wasn't really until the eighties that it really became a thing. Like it's only been in kind of those last two generations. But like the NBA has like a a real following that people care about.
0: I think I think maybe the point I'm is, I'm making is you can't be like nationalist about the NBA because in and, and part of what you're saying, but also this like sort of uh global presence that the game is now reaching where it's like, you got the China league, you got the Euro league, you've got the yeah. Africa outreach, you've got, you know, Maybe you could say there's a nationalist argument for like the world versus U.S. games where it's like, yeah, fuck you. Let's go U.S., you know, or like the Olympics. Yeah. But, but the, um, the sort of like uh, global outreach thing kind of loses that American identity, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's because you, you, you mentioned it, right? Like the NBA is a player league. It's, it's just like in, uh, in soccer. You know, when Ronaldo leaves Real Madrid and goes to Juventus, People don't become Juventus, like, people aren't, like, watching Juventus to watch Juventus. They're watching it for Ronaldo. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, when LeBron goes from Cleveland to L.A., that's what people care about is the fact that we're going to watch LeBron, not necessarily because he's a Laker. Like, I mean, he had if he had gone to, uh, you know, Atlanta or the Kings, I mean, people still would have cared. Whereas with a lot of those other teams in kind of baseball, you know, it's like, can I name any New York Yankees? I'm not entirely sure. Can I name any like Dallas Cowboy besides like Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott? Maybe not. I you think know, like
0: I think that's more of a testament to baseball though, rather than anything else. It's like baseball's on its way fucking down.
1: The game's too slow and they gotta figure out a way of speeding it up. I mean, the NBA has done that, right? of trying to speed up games. I mean, that's the whole, like, hack-a-shack, like, rule thing that they've been trying to fix. Well, it's it like, just cut down the fat of the game.
0: Baseball's, like, number one problem is the amount of either strikeouts or home runs. There's, like, no middle ground of, like, a base hit and a scramble, or, like, a pop fly and a scramble.
1: Well, baseball's also a lot less, like, coordinated, right? Because, like, you know, half the teams in the AL, or, like, the AL... And the NL have, like, different rules entirely uh, on, like, uh, hitting when it comes to, like, pitchers and stuff. So, like, they're almost sort of these kind of two pseudo-different leagues that happen to meet in the World Series. Whereas, like, the NBA, it's, like, fairly consistent, right? Every team plays each other. Like, the NFL, that doesn't happen, right? The NFL, they only play 16 games, and there are 32 teams. So, clearly, you're not going to play everybody. All the time but it's like in the nba you're guaranteed to play two games against every other team so you kind of get these like we can see how each team kind of plays each other to kind of get a more holistic picture which baseball is too slow to like sit down and watch a game and the nfl is like you know it's so targeted towards these kind of prime games like oh, the Patriots are going to play the Steelers this week. Like, that's the prime game that everyone cares about. Whereas the NBA doesn't really have that because it's, you know, spread out across the entire week as opposed to just being, like, Sunday and Monday.
0: To uh, curtail the question, um, Clay's answer to that was uh, he would invest in a, like, very low-tier sport. Like, um like uh like ultimate frisbee or or like lacrosse or you know a sport of that level.
1: Yeah, what I was thinking was so you know how ESPN has like uh the the ad, like that new kind of reformed app that they have and they've been kind of buying kind of the rights to like event driven sports. So like not the like sports has become less of I want to watch every game. And it's been more of I'll choose which game to watch because of other things, right? Like Netflix and YouTube and like all this other uh, competition. So it's like, can you create it as like an event? So it's like, I think ESPN has like the rights like UFC now. So like, they like market it as specific events. So I think if you choose a sport where it's like very event driven of like, we have this matchup. Then and it's like kind and it's like you know really obscure for this like sort of niche audience. Then like ESPN or like Fox Sports, like they'll grab onto that because they know that they can like monopolize the shit out of just this one like tiny event.
0: Well, it's it's almost a testament to the binge watch culture of like now enjoying entertainment on TV. Like nobody will, nobody wants to watch like tune in. You know twice a week at nine p m you know it's like people would rather just kind of sit down on a Saturday and watch like ten episodes in a row
1: but see this is like one of the things that I think Netflix really hasn't figured out is that you know netflix they you know they're they're so known for just kind of dumping like an entire season out in one go right but I think they need to kind of change that model for some of their their you know kind of flagship shows because when you think about a show like Game of Thrones, you know, it's one episode a week for 10 weeks, you know, it's, it becomes this whole like event over the summer, you know, you, you dominate the kind of social media, you know, the culture for like 10 weeks by only putting out one episode a week. Whereas when Netflix dumps out like all of stranger things or like all of house of cards or uh, whatever, it's like, Oh, okay, cool. It's going to be a thing for like four days and then nobody's going to talk about it anymore,
0: right? Yeah, I mean it's whatever metric you want, like watch time versus like social media impressions, right?
1: Yeah, but I'm talking about like if you want to if you want to be like you know, kind of have people talking about you constantly. You kind of want more of like a Game of Thrones model where it's like for 10 weeks we are dominating like you know, summer TV, summer content. Um in terms of people writing about the show, people watching the show, people retweeting, people looking up YouTube, like it'll just become like an event. Whereas when you dump out all of your like, you know, 10, 16, 22 episodes in like one go, people just kind of like burn through it in three days. And then it's like, they're not going to talk about it next week. They're going to move on to something else. So Netflix, I think kind of has to like figure out a way of almost dragging the show out of it. you know like maybe if they only release like three episodes a week then it's like they've got like four or five weeks where it's like everyone's always talking about netflix and that's kind of what you want as a business
0: so so you kind of uh, rewind back to your event driven sports topic <laughs> uh, another one of of clay's suggestions of things to invest in would be the esports category of things And if you look at how a lot of those are run, it's not like a normal season. It's event-driven sports. It's like, you know, four days over in, like, fucking Cologne, Germany, and they have, like, a fucking group stage and a main event. Yeah. like, recently, the fucking TI-8 Dota 2, it was basically a week and a half up in Vancouver. Like very binge-watchable. It's, like, on the whole fucking day. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, people have short attention spans, right? Like, they don't want sort of drag stuff out. They kind of want to be, like, watch it and then kind of be done with it. Like, kind of interact with something and then kind of be done with it. And then move on to, like, the next thing.
0: It's, like, almost like a movie, in a sense. But it's also... I think this is smart for, for the reason that the hardcore fan will dig up the sort of regular season of whatever mediocre tier sport that we're talking about whereas yeah. it it highlights the penultimate aspects of this season for the casual fans to drag them in
1: yeah i mean i mean the the classic argument right for the last couple of years has been uh since you know kevin durant went to golden state it was almost kind of inevitable that golden state was going to win the championship right So for kind of just the, not even casual NBA fan, but just people who only really care about, you know, maybe once the finals start up or like a, you know, a few marquee games here and there, like Christmas day. And, um, you know, like when Boston plays Philly or something, like those kind of games, you know, like their argument is, well, Kevin Durant ruined the NBA because I already know who's going to win. Whereas, you know, guys like us who watch so many games it's like no nah, he hasn't ruined the nba sure would i like to see a bit more of a competitive playoff run sure but the regular season the past like two years has been amazing
0: you have, like, to, you have to re-gauge about how you find yeah. your entertainment value in the regular season
1: yeah i mean i mean you know we, like you know you and i can watch like a utah charlotte game on like a random thursday night and we're gonna find like entertainment in that we're going to find things to talk about we're going to be like wow that's really cool to watch donovan mitchell take on kemba and you know all these other kind of intriguing matchups which most people generally don't care about
0: whereas if you're like me and you go see uh the sacramento kings versus the hobbled memphis lineup from uh four months ago you're gonna be like why the fuck did i pay money for these seats
1: (laughs) all right i will give you that seeing it Live may not be worth it, but, you know, just kind of watch on TV. It's like, sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And uh, speaking of watching on TV, uh, that will wrap up our Heart in the Paint podcast episode for this wonderful September 11th, 2018. Uh, again, shout out to BP for flying the jet fuel necessary to make today possible. Uh, of course, you can follow us on soundcloud gmail any of the associated links of course those are always in the description uh below and we will be uh gladly bla- uh gladly back next time for uh some more n b a talk I know uh we got a little sort of uh, meta there at the end but uh you know it's it's been it's been a little bit of a slow week we're trying to ease back into sort of the nba cycle that's kind of gradually ramping up now that training camps and a couple other things are coming to fruition and we would of course love to give a shout out to our heart in the paint viewer of the fortnite Triton markland so we'd like to thank tritton for his uh continued support maybe one day he'll figure out where his ass went and with that we'll see you all next time